are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Today, as we continue our series on grace, I want to speak to us this morning on this subject, grace from the garden. We understand of by way of review, that grace is unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. God gave us his grace at Calvary. He gave us favor. You'll never get more saving grace than when you ask Jesus Christ to save you. But we're seeing that we can experience grace in different measures. We saw grace for salvation, for by grace, are you saved through faith? That not of yourselves. Every person in this room is gonna die one day. We had a very tragic death in our ministry this past week. Very sad death. Very awful death. Very hurtful death. Very sudden death. One of our ministries this week, death is real. And it's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. Families then deal with the consequence of death and sorrow. I, I will say this, that if you have not been born again, you will not go to heaven. That's not Baptist way, that's Bible way. You must be born again. God made a plan of salvation. We're born sinners and he sent his son Jesus to die for our sin. And by placing our faith in Christ, we can be saved and have eternal life grace for salvation. And then we saw, secondly, grace for joy. In, Hebrew, in Acts chapter 11, God showed us the difference between joy, which is inside, and happiness and fun and pleasure on the outside. All happiness and fun and pleasure on the outside is not wrong. Much of it is, but not all of it. And the world and ourselves can give us happiness. There's nothing wrong with all of it, but yet much of, there is, much of it is. But only joy can come from the inside. I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. We sing in elementary chapel. Grace, favor for salvation. Grace for joy. Grace for godliness. Well, there's so many rules in the Christian life. Uh, no, there are not a lot of rules in the Christian life. There's a lot of rebellion in the Christian life. God says in the book of Titus chapter two, that because we've experienced the grace of God, then he says, teaching us that, the next verse, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present evil world. When a person has experienced grace and allows grace to have its work in their heart, even after salvation, you don't wanna do less for God, we want more for God. We wanna be more desirous to be holy and godly and separated from him. No, you see, if the, if the church has its only rules in your heart life, you're living in bondage. This church has minute rules. Uh, God has convicted me of a lot more rules than this little church says, thou shalt not do this. Really, the church, no, you're working some ministries that might be different, but the church, uh, we, we, we'll take a strong stand against adultery and fornication, 
But good night, how many rules do you know around here? Very few. You ought to have a lot more rules in your life than a church would have. That was a real weak amen. That's the day we live in, I guess. And then we find that grace produces humility. That was on Easter Sunday. The very greatest example of humility was Jesus Christ. And then we saw that last week, grace produces strength. Here was Paul, and he had great sorrows in his life, but he said, he says, thy grace, your grace, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. It's enough. I have to go out pressing, looking for all other strength, power, comfort. God says, you have enough of me. Today, I come to you in a few moments as we look in this text about grace from the garden. Isn't it amazing? In chapter two, you have the creation of man. In chapter two, the creation of his wife. In chapter three, the very first attack was on the home. The first attack. I don't care who you are sitting here and how righteous and how good and how godly you are, the devil is against your life and against your marriage and against your children and against the home. And there's gonna have to be a constant battle for your home, a constant battle for your marriage, a constant battle for your children. And even as your children get older and leave father and mother, you'll never ever Say goodbye to the authority that God's given your life to pray for them and to love them and to nurture them. I know a preacher in the deep south this morning is giving this illustration that there was a, in one of the great wars overseas and uh, World War II where uh, they, they came to the point, they said, we have to hold this hill, we have to hold it. And a young soldier came to his commanding officer and said, sir, I, I beg you, don't attack at night. Wait to nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Trust me, he said, I please, I beg you, wait to nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Through those long night hours, they waited. As it approached nine, he said, you can begin to attack at nine. And they won that battle that day. And his commander came and said, why nine o'clock? He goes, because mama's back home. A mother promised she'd pray for me, but especially at nine o'clock our time, her time, she'd be up through the night hour praying for us and for our safety. And I knew if we could wait to nine, mama's prayers would move heaven. I would hope that we'd have that type of testimony in our homes. Mother's prayers. And the devil began to attack God's design. And today we see the first place that he attacks is the home, and the first place we see grace in the Bible is Genesis. Where God is gonna show us in this text grace from the garden. Before we get there, I introduce the text. Verse one, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. And yea, he said, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You know, Satan came in verse one with doubt. And when our life begins to be developed by doubt, we are open prey to Satan. 
I see it in America now. My wife, and I've never been much on the news, but I like to just sort of hear what's going on, and I really don't watch the news, but I can get on my phone, and she's begged me to stay off. I think it's too discouraging, and she's right, and I've gotten off it. I don't believe I spend five minutes a day seeing what's going on because it's all so negative. It creates an atmosphere, an environment in my heart. It's just hopeless. Our, our churches, it looks like it's just hopeless for our churches. Media came out. They, someone handed me the article and said about a month ago that America's church attendance is so severely in, in, in decline that churches are, are just uh, obsolete in America. By the way, two days later, someone put on my desk from Harvard University that church attendance is up. So somebody's lying in there. Somebody's lying on this awful news. America's still a great place, and there are churches still that preach the word of God, and there are 7,000 as in the Bible that haven't bowed the knee. Oh, the church is still your answer for your home, your life, your marriage. And here, Satan, he creates doubt. Oh, my husband doesn't love me. My wife doesn't love me. My kids don't need me. My parents don't love me. We live in a world of doubt. And then I find not only doubt, but a woman's definition regarding God's word. She began in verse two and three to negotiate with the devils, and yet she redefined what God said. If you go back to chapter two, and we won't for the sake of time, and read what God said and read what she said, she redefined it. We live in a day of redefining. I see it around us where we redefine. And here they began to redefine. And she began to say that this is what God meant. Stop trying to redefine God. And then I find that Satan had a direct lie in verse four and five. He said, verse five, you shall not surely die. That is a lie. Because God promised that there would be death as a consequence of sin. I believe we can think we can just sin and do what we want where there's no consequences. Our son was preaching here a few years ago, and as he was preaching here, he was preaching on sin, and he said, sin, you could choose your sin, but you cannot choose the consequences. For lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. There's always a consequence for sin. Women's and man's disobedience. Because in chapter 2, verse 17, God said you're going to die. But they bought into this thing that they were not going to die. God says, thou shalt not, chapter 2, verse 17, we rebel against the thou shalt nots, don't we? I don't want any thou shalt nots in my, my life. But God says thou shalt not. You're not supposed to touch that tree, eat of that. But she took the thou shalt not out. We redefine. We disobey. Because this is what I want to do and this is what I will do and this is what I want to do and consequently, I, I don't agree with God. I don't agree with the word of God and consequently, we try to become our own God and we replace God with ourselves. Consequently, when we refuse to obey God, we'll also 
reveal it in refusing to obey man. The fifth commandment is still in the Bible. Honor thy father and thy mother. And when you, I don't care how old you get. You get 70 years, 70 years old and your dad's 95 years of age, you still honor your father and your mother. I respect so many of you here sitting in church today. Maybe you don't even want to be here, but you're here because of mother. Honor thy father and mother. It's still in the Bible. And we come to the point where we say, I will not, I, when we will not submit to authority of man, it's an indication we don't submit to God. It's always a reflection. Man becomes to be his own God. Consequently, we become, we commit lawless. We've had 40 police officers slain this year so far in America. So, good looking young, young man went to, in Louisiana this past week to, uh, just, just to help somebody on the side of the road and the guy loaded them full of bullets and left a wife and kids. We're just a lawless society. They're just pigs, they're just cops, male or female, doesn't matter who they are, we'll just eliminate them. Why? Because we won't obey man because we won't obey God. Little girl right over here, next couple of cities up, went to her fast food restaurant, gave birth during her shift for a baby, went to the bathroom, took the baby and stuck its head in the toilet upside down and began to drown that baby. Coworker heard what was going on, called the authorities. They rescued the baby. And by the way, they sentenced her this week, probation. I'm not for what I'm gonna say. You ought not to hurt a cat or a dog. I'm not saying you do that. You'd get, you'd get seven years you drowned a cat. Man has become so lawless. We've devalued life. Look what he does. He tries to dress himself. You see, and I'm staying with the D's. I hope we're remembering. He tries to dress himself. Verse 8, he covered himself with fig leaves. Yet God wasn't interested in fig leaves. God was interested in a blood sacrifice. He tried to disguise himself. Verse 10. He said, I heard the voice of God in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. We don't hide sin any longer. We post it online. Got wasted this weekend. Drunk this weekend. Nudity this weekend. Had immorality this weekend. People post garbage. We're proud of our sin because they're shaking our fist at a holy God. Their decision was to pass the buck. God came to the man, and the man, God said, what, 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 why'd you do this? And he said, well, the woman you gave me, she made. And the woman, verse 13, she blamed the devil. Stop blaming everyone else for our actions and decisions. Here we get to our truth of grace. We see God's declaration. He introduces to us two seeds, a holy seed in which Jesus will come, and a wicked seed, which the Antichrist will come and Satan himself. Verse 15, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed 
and her seed. Her seed is Galatians 4, 4, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman under the law. Jesus Christ is gonna come through this seed. Satan comes through this seed and the Bible says, thou shalt bruise his head and, and Satan thought he had Jesus when he bruised and wounded his head at Calvary. But the Bible says, and here's the grace, thou shalt bruise his heel. He will victor, be the victor over sin, Jesus Christ. It's amazing as you look at grace from the garden, God is gonna give man hope here with this home and God is gonna give promise and he's given a promise about her seed that one day a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, Isaiah 7, 14, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. It's two trees in the garden, did you notice it? There's one in the beginning of Genesis, the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, and God says you can't touch it. In the last chapter of Revelation, there's another tree. It's the tree of life, and God says whosoever will let him come takes freely. One tree, there's prohibition. One tree that's all open, for he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One tree is about sin, and one tree is about salvation. Oh, I'm so very grateful as you see these two trees. One tree is about today restriction. You cannot touch this. And one tree says, come freely. It's all yours for the taking. When we look at these two trees, one tree blames and one tree blesses God through the blood of Jesus Christ. One tree brings death for the wages of sin is death. One tree in chapter 22 of Revelation, the river of life where the tree is, that's life, death, and life. Isn't it amazing Jesus suffered on a tree, on a cross, the old rugged cross, but he was suspended between two other trees, a thief and a thief, and this thief said, and cursed him. He represents the curse of man and the tree of Genesis. And this one said that he believed in Jesus. And Jesus said, as he took that life, today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, life is a decision. This tree brings sadness. This tree brings joy. We study the word of God. This one means separation from God. He expelled them from the garden. And this one means fellowship with God. Thank God for these two trees. One is grace, one is grace, and one is judgment. One is unrighteousness, and one is righteousness. And may I say today, one is all about myself. I've got to take that. I need that. And one is all about the Savior. God extends this grace at salvation, at the garden. One is about disobedience and one is about obedience. And here the Bible makes it very clear in chapter number three that God said, I will extend grace 
Now the sad thing is there's consequences. Though he gives grace and he gives favor, there's consequences. What are the consequences? Well, the Bible says in verse 16, the woman said, he said unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and conception and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. I don't know how God had it planned, but he did not have it planned that woman would give birth through sorrow and agony. God calls it travail. You walk through literally as some lady on planet Earth, whether alive or has passed away, because she travailed, she went through the valley of the shadow of death to give us life. You never raise your voice or your or your actions against your mother who gave you life. And the Bible says you're gonna have sorrow in conception and sorrow that shall bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband. Deals with the fact, we'll see the rest of the verse, that, that, that no longer is it male and female under the, under the authority of God. I don't know how it was, but apparently there was no headship of man over a woman before the fall of man. They were under God, they were not under one another. But God says, you know, look at the verse here. He said, thy desire shall be to thy husband. Your desire is going to be to be over your husband. But the Bible says, and he shall rule over thee. Part of the curse is that the Bible says the headship now resides in man. And God says to the woman, your job is to place yourself under the authority of that man in submission. Doesn't mean that you're not as talented or maybe perhaps even more talented, but God's design is not to usurp authority. Isaiah chapter number three, in the last days, children are gonna rule over families and women will rule over the home. Almost everything that would have to be on the news today is the anarchy of tearing down the home. Men are dumb, men are foolish, men are whoremongers, men are wicked, men have are terrible, men get rid of men, they're the problem of society, but we're rebelling against God. God brings a man into a life of a home, and the Bible says the man, Ephesians 5, is the head of the home, the head of the wife. Doesn't mean he's the brains, because women are smarter than men. Men generally work out of one side of their brain and women work out of two sides. That's why they can cook and bake and clean and fix and repair and change diapers all at the same time. And that's why Mother's Day wears us out. God's plan was now a headship. God says that a man is responsible for his home and for his family and will give an account. There's a headship in a church. Whether we like it or not, God places responsibility in a pastor, a shepherd. And Hebrews chapter 13 doesn't mention that you're gonna give an account to God for this church. I'm gonna give an account to God. And I don't think God's gonna say, Jack, son, you are too strong. Son, you took too strong a stand for righteousness and holiness and godliness. You won't answer for that, I will. God is gonna hold me accountable. 
at the judgment seat of Christ. That's why God's gonna wipe away all tears, he says twice in the book of Revelation, after the judgment seat of Christ where Christians stand, not for salvation, not for, for getting into heaven, but for our works, it's gonna be wood, hay, or stubble. And if I capitulate and cave, when God wanted me to stand like a soldier for Jesus Christ, because I came to the crowd, God says, you're gonna suffer loss, Jack because you're to shepherd those people. You're to keep those people safe from danger. You're to nourish those people. You're to feed those people. You're to be the door of the sheepfold. And if some wild philosophy and doctrine comes storming into this church, they're coming through the front door and that's where you're supposed to be laying your life down for the sheep. My goodness, the clock's already gone. God says that, Adam said, verse 17, because thou hast, God, he said to Adam, because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife and you've eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying thou shalt not eat, curses the ground. It's another curse, a consequence for sin. The ground's now cursed. And in sorrow thou shalt eat of it the days of thy life, thorns and thistles shall they bring forth upon thee. Every time you pull a weed, you ought to remind yourself that it's part of the curse. And the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread. The Old Testament has some fruit that looked good, but the New Testament is the bread of life, that which will nourish a child's, a person's life. I'm not finished, but I have to be finished. Our time's gone. God extends grace. God shows there's gonna be some consequences. Now, look what you did. There has to be a consequence. We don't want consequences today. We scream loud enough in the store. Mother will not only get us candy and a toy, but she'll give us an iPhone so we can watch a video so we can be calm. There's no consequences. And if we continue to raise a generation away from God, the consequences will only get greater. There has to be consequences. But there's also a cross. And he died on that cross for my sin and for your sin. And God promised here in chapter three, verse 15, I will give life through the seed of a woman. And that life is through Jesus Christ. It came from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, to Jesus Christ. And that lineage goes back because God promised Adam there'll be a seed for redemption for sin. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.